The following is a presentation of AOW Productions. This program contains adult content. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts of this program do not necessarily stand to reflect those of this station or its management. Bringing you controversy at its best with uncensored music, comedy, and political discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Outlaw Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outlaw Radio for the 17th of July, 2021. I'm your host, Bad Billy. And got a good show lined up for you. In just a little bit, uh, you're going to hear an interview I recorded uh, welcoming Sipo Mnisi out of South Africa back uh, there. It's very serious, dire situations going on in South Africa right now. A lot of major riots and lootings and things like that going on in we're going to hear about some of it with Sipo. In the second hour, will be an AOW Classic interview with Bob the Beast Sap. And of course, the third hour, we got the Steve Solution with the icon Stephen James. Before we get to all that, I want to cue one, uh, one of uh, Dean Chansey's songs. This is called Mr. President. Now I'll be back with the interview with Sipo and Nisi right after this. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. And now, from a rented basement, because Bad Billy's mom threw him out, it's Outlaw Radio. Good morning, Mr. President. Thanks for coming to the phone I'll try to keep this simple I know you got a lot of stuff going on But I keep hearing about this thing Y'all call land expropriation Isn't that the same thing Mugabe used to kill his nation I know right from wrong But I got this real bad feeling where I come from We just call it stealing And the whole world knows it's true City folk like you go hungry When country folk don't grow food There ain't no cornfields in Soweto in Cape Town You can plow a beach in Durban And Joburg ain't got cows And I'm not trying to be funny 
Seeker rocking out to the station. I hear you. You're probably even sipping on a drink right now. An average blah blah drink in a can or bottle. One that doesn't quite hit the spot for you. I'll bet you want something different, don't you? Something more. Take your shot with Cold Cock Whiskey. The best whiskey anywhere. Why? Because it's different from other liquors. Cold Cock Whiskey is herbal whiskey. 100% all natural herbs blended with aged American whiskey. No more morning after sugar hangovers from other liquors. With Cold Cock's blend of herbs, including green tea, hibiscus, ginger, eucalyptus, and more, you'll be an herbal heaven. Cold Cock Whiskey, available at spirit stores and distributors America-wide. Find one near you at coldcockwhiskey.com. Follow Cold Cock Whiskey on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Celebrate those special moments with friends. Raise your glass. Take your shot. You must be 21 or older to drink Cold Cock Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Because there are some people out there who need practical advice. And yes, I'm talking about you. Wisdom beyond value from the desk of Mr. Holland. People go to the bar hoping for two things, to get hammered or to get nailed. Ooh, is that Mr. Holland? Yes, ma'am. Please don't touch. 
What is freedom of speech? It's my mouth, my tongue, and my 32 teeth. My mind, my rights to preach, to rap, to sing, and even to teach. No matter the genre, it's still my freedom of speech. Congress will not choose my religion. Abridging of press, assembly, and petition. Laws do protect us. This is true. To agree to disagree is sometimes better to do. Use your mouth, your tongue, your 32 teeth, your thoughts, your mind, your right to preach. No matter the genre, it's our freedom of speech. This message is brought to you by the NAB Education Foundation, the Broadcast Education Association, Robert R. McCormick Foundation, and this station. First, there was Cranked Up Live. This is Cranked Up Live. Then, Cranked Up went country. Today's best and tomorrow's greats. Cranked Up Country. Now, Cranked Up Live is back. This is a sizzling hot podcast. Cranked Up Live. Curtis McKinney and Brad Hennington will keep you listening, keep you laughing, and keep you coming back for more. Convicted felons will no longer be called convicted felons. Do you know what they want to call them, Curtis? No. Justice-involved individuals is what they renamed them. Listen and download the podcasts at crankeduplive.com. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash crankeduplive. Cranked Up Live. Some material may not be suitable for children under 18. Hey, I'm Nick, and you're listening to Outlaw Radio. Where we say what the fuckity fuck we want. No exceptions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard Mr. President by Dean Chansey. A very important song, I think, especially for the interview I'm about to have with Sipo Amnesi. So with that said, it is time for Outlaw Radio Crime Stories. The man's got a right to protect his property and his life. Outlaw Radio Crime Stories. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for this edition of Outlaw Radio Crime Stories, I am joined once again by Sipo Imnisi. It's been about a year since I talked to him last time. I talked to him, we were discussing the COVID lockdowns happening in South Africa. Now, since uh, the arrest of Jacob Zuma, former president, it has gotten a lot worse. Uh, Sipo, thank you very much for joining the show. Thank you very much for having me on this show to talk about South Africa and the worst situation that we are facing right now. Yes, that's, uh, we've talked about some bad things, you know, from uh, the farm murders to uh, other uh political nonsense from the uh, ANC and the EFF and whatnot. But uh, yeah, this, I have, uh, I haven't seen uh, a prison riot this bad. I mean, um, now correct me if I'm wrong, Sipo, but uh, part of this, from what I understand is from, uh, there's some infighting within the ANC and please correct, like I said, correct me if I'm wrong. But a pretty credible source told me that part of the problem that we have there is in within the ANC is between the Zulus and the Kosas, basically, of the Zulus aren't too happy that uh, there aren't very many uh, Zulus within the ANC. And, of course, uh, Jacob Zuma being uh, Zulu himself. 
Yes, it looks no, it looks like that. But you know, within the ANC, the deeper ANC, it you know, it makes it look like that as a factional party, but like they using tribalism. So I personally, when I research it, you know, when I I I I have asked many people, I have read about it. It looks like the deep ANC within the ANC, there's an executive ANC. They using this as a tribalism issue, but there's no such. They using Zulus uh, to go against any tribe in South Africa, uh, with Zuma being arrested uh, for disrespecting the court in, in in South Africa because he hasn't been arrested for corruption allegations. No, he hasn't been persecuted for that. But right now, what's happening is just the looting spree has gone wild with what they have used because it has worked on on their favors by using tribalism by by provoking the Zulus in Guadalajara. So everybody is taking chances right now. All the Zulus now are taking chances. It's a chance to lose. But the deeper meaning behind this, I think it's way deeper because ANC, I think it is using this uh, to cover up something else or there's maybe some, some, something else happening in, 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 in this country which we are not aware of it. So I think that because of the shortage of food right now, the shortage of fuel, the shortage of all this and this, it is by deliberate. Why is it that? I think that ANC has has too much in, involvement in this. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I think uh, the AMC, ANC has a lot of involvement. Uh, from what I understand, uh, President Ramaphosa has uh, made a speech that uh, pretty much was uh, just nonsense people writing off like, uh, you know, they listen to him and uh, they know that he really doesn't care. Yes, uh, most of them do not care because it works on their favor. It doesn't work for the people of South Africa. What is happening is not going to work for us. It's only working for ANC as well. Right now, there are reports that... Uh, Devon Port is also being looted. Though you know the containers bringing goods inside have been looted. I don't think ordinary people on the ground like me can go there to loot containers. With what? And there's a deeper force behind this, and there are people with connections on where to loot and and uh, which side must be looted because the bigger warehouses in Devon have been burned down and trucks have been satellite, big business, even shopping malls, have, have, they have been satellite. So you can see that whoever behind this know very well what, what they are doing. No ordinary people can uh, can leave their township and come to the city to loot. No way. You know, I, I've been the, sent a lot of pictures and a lot of videos and what I see, I see a lot of the looting happening, and uh, even police officers were uh, filmed looting. I see there's garbage all over the streets of Durban. And uh, from what I understand, the especially in Durban right now, the grocery stores are emptied. I mean, the trucks are basically uh, that, that bring in the freight of groceries, electronics, uh, whatever it may be, the trucks don't even make their deliveries. They're just they're being looted uh, long before they can make it. Yes, correct. Even farmers, 
farmers have stopped the entire production. I don't know if they they have received a instruction or not, but they have stopped all their productions and supply chain it has stopped. So us in the inland of South Africa, we don't know what will happen uh, if our stores are they get emptied, uh, our warehouses this side will will be empty obviously if there is no supply chain involvement at all because it comes from it normally comes from Durban Cape Town, you know, the seaside areas. It normally comes from there. That's where they are they are their plan started. I think this this is what the plan then to you know then to for your, to to start what we call it food food uh, the food shortage. I think it is deliberately. If farmers are stopping production and supply chain, there must be an instruction from somewhere else. No farmer can stop that as a fear of their 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 trucks being being being, being satellite on the freeways. Trucks have been satellite in South Africa for many years, but farmers never stop production. They never stop supply chain. They always do it, despite all of that. But now farmers are stopping production and supply chain, and farm workers are not going to work as 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 we speak. So I think there, there's really something going on. But we are waiting. There's nobody coming with information. But a friend of mine who worked for ANC told me that no. ANC has also received instruction from somewhere from somewhere else. There's something exactly there's something going on. South Africa, there will be hunger, there will be so much poverty if farmers stop production at all. Well, yeah, if the, if the farmers are stopping production, I mean, um, I can't imagine your your economy is already in enough trouble as it is. I mean, with the COVID-19 lockdowns that have been for the past year, but uh, but this really, really has to be taken a toll. I mean, we're talking, uh, there's already, what, millions of rand in damages? Yes, it has been reported in the media, finally, that the, the damage in Devon alone is over a billion the other part of, of, of South Africa, especially Johannesburg, the damage is in the hundreds of, of millions. Johannesburg inner city is actually been, in, been affected and other, town, and, and other townships, the way to Alexander and the East Grand are also looted. In the way to alone, they say that thousands of jobs have been lost and they cannot be recovered anytime soon. So I think the government also acted very late. I think it was it was it was deliberately why they did not uh, deploy soldiers the same day this thing has started. They waited after three days when the damage has been done. That's why they have deployed soldiers and other police members to patrol the areas where they believe it is being looted. But the bigger warehouses, the bigger business where it's were never patrolled in Devon. It is still going on even now. People are still looting in the big warehouses where the storage of of clothing, food, and other materials are kept. They are still looting even today. So Devon areas, especially because in Natal areas, they are now out of bread, groceries. They are now in a long queues just to get bread because there's no stock. Stock is being looted and other stock is being uh, satellite. Oh, wow. Well, 
Now, I want to ask you something else, too, because uh, I... I've been uh, watching some stuff here, and Jacob Zuma in the past has said that uh, if he goes to jail, he's going to snitch on the ANC, ANC, and basically he will spill the goods on him. And, uh, of course, uh, when something like that happens, of course, especially here in the U.S., if you do, if if uh, you cross the government or something, like that after you get arrested they get you they have you assassinated basically depending like if it's the clintons they've already had people assassinated if the if the anc was to do something to harm zuma or or kill zuma whether or not they they can report it as an accident or a suicide whatever how much if that happens how bad do you think it can get it will be worse than this. It will be very worse because right now in South Africa, especially because in Natal, they are dealing with a racial incident right now. It's a tent racial right now. The Indian community are protecting themselves from the Zulus. Uh, each one is blaming another one. So if it has raised to that, if Zuma, something happened to him right now, it will be, it will be worse. I think maybe if something happen to him, it will be COVID, obviously. They will cover it as a COVID. Everybody is expecting that. I don't know if any, and I don't think ANC can go to such extent right now, because right now everybody is waiting for that. And uh, the Zulus all over, they say this is not over. They will start again. Where whatever motivation they get, there will be again a, another riot, worse than this. So it doesn't matter if he if he has a heart attack because he's not a young man. He's eighty years old. If something happens to him, whether it be natural causes or whether the ANC murders him and makes it look like COVID or makes it look like an, an accident, all hell is going to break loose. It is going to break loose. We are waiting for this, but many people are not even aware that. Uh, uh, how dangerous this, this situation is. Because right now people are excited, especially people like me on the ground. They are, they are just excited about looting stuff, uh, whatever is, is going on, small businesses affected. You know, unemployment people are just excited about that, that now finally they get to loot what they, they always desire. So when it gets to that, it will be worse. Many people are still going to be losing jobs, millions. I think this is what has been planned because this is, I think we are at the final stage of the destruction of South Africa right now. When businesses are closing down like this, even big firms, they are closing down, they're taking their money out of South Africa because they claim for insurance from the, the, from the, um, the current damages. The, the big closing firm in Devon, which was banned, it employs 600 people. Right now, it is closed, and the owner decided to permanently close it. It will never be open. So those people lost their jobs just like that. Even now, in housing area, the Johannesburg and Pretoria is going to be the same. If that certain area is affected, this side it is going to be the same at all because businesses are connected to supply chain. So we are going. We are also going to be affected. This side it's not. This is it's not a joke as people make make, make it as it is. As it is, it is not a joke at all. It's going to be serious and it's going to be tough. 
I have no idea how the government is going to solve what they have started. We need a resolution, maybe some, somewhere from outside, because many people are telling me that the ANC is working with China, they are, are, are another forces behind this. We are so confused, but we know 80% of this, it comes from ANC. Hmm. Yeah, they, they've really done a bang-up job, haven't they? Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, through, I mean, there, it's bad right now, no doubt. But uh, do you think there's still some hope at all? Or uh, do you, I don't know, where, where do you personally stand right now? My personal opinion is that South Africa needs need a need assistance from outside the country, a trusted assistance outside the country to resolve this, where no political parties can maybe can get involved of that solution. We need a certain country to put political parties down, to end with political parties, because there is not a single political party came out to speak about what is happening. Not even a single of them are, say, uh, like, uh, uh, are warning people of what ANC has, has done. All of them are, 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 all of them are looking for, 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 for opportunities to, to seek for supporters in time like this. So right now we, we are done with, with personally I'm done with political parties. They, all of them. I think we need we need we will need a private a private government with, I think so. A private government which is not involved too much in politics to resolve this. That's what South Africa needs. We don't need votes, we don't need we don't need elections. It's not gonna work. Yes, yes. And, of course, uh, you know, the Chinese communists and uh, with, with them coming in the picture, I mean, uh, how, much, how much in debt, from what I understand, uh, South Africa's in debt pretty bad to China, correct? Yeah, we are pretty indebted to China as we speak. Everything is Chinese right now in South Africa. I think even the there is the gaining of shooting mode. I think China will, will some kind of taking over from that. I think so, because right now, ANC is with China. EFF political parties are also advocating for China. Pretty everyone. So I think this is a takeover situation. Hmm. Yes. Well, you know, the, uh, last I knew, there were 11 languages in South Africa, and now it sounds like uh, if this keeps up, uh, there's going to be 12. There's going to be 12 languages, yes, because Mandarin is, is also considered as an official language. We're just waiting for government to, to, fully, announce, to fully announce it, because government is also encouraging people to, to study Mandarin. Well, so they, they're already consider, uh, encouraging uh, the people of South Africa to learn Mandarin now? To learn Mandarin, yes, because right now in South Africa, 
in several parts of Johannesburg, there's a police station for, Chi- for, for Chinese-speaking people. There's a police station for them. Also, man, 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 Mandarin language is offered in some private colleges. Yes, people are encouraged to learn man, Mandarin because in future, in, 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 in South African courts, there will be a Mandarin language available. So people, we must learn this language if we are, if we really see that about our future. Because if China is really taking over, there will be no matter if we we, we vote out ANC or, or, or EFF or DA. It won't be matter anymore. Yeah, that'll be a complete dictatorship of the uh, Chinese government. And it's not, right. yeah, it's it's not just uh, just South Africa, too. I mean, Ch- China is pretty much seizing uh, pretty much the whole of the a- African continent. I mean, because they've already planted um, nuclear nuclear reactors or um, in uh, Zimbabwe. I know that uh, last I heard, Zambia is pretty pretty far in debt with them, as well as even uh, Kenya's uh, starting to get a, a mass population of Chinese coming in too. It's pretty much like that, and it's it has spread all over Africa. Even Kenya, right now, there's a conflict in 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 Mozambique, and there's, there's also a conflict in our neighboring country, Swaziland. They are protesting, they are banning things. They want the king, the kingdom of Swaziland, king, uh, to step down so that they 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 they, they can have a democratic government. They have no idea that that democratic government it will come with China. China is taking over the same way as in South Africa because uh, they have found out that Swaziland has economic means just like in Mozambique right now. They're taking over for uh, oil, mining. They're taking over all of that. Zambia is also in, in, in that check. Even DRC Congo is, is, is also indebted to China. Pretty much every country in Africa. They're taking over due to our government. Our government is making relationship with China. So hence it is happening because we believe that China wants to to dumb down their 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 huge population this side because in Africa we, the population is I I believe in some other countries it is still lower. So China is trying I think it is trying to dumb down their population this side. Hmm. Yeah, and from what I understand, too, it's um, not just sub-Saharan Africa, you know, I mean, even go as far as north as uh, with countries like uh, Morocco, Egypt, Sudan, that they're getting, they're getting this influx of Chinese, too. Yes, it's like that. I don't know if the conflict in Northern Africa are, 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 are related to China. Because I believe those people in Africa you know, are so much disconnected from sub-Saharan African countries. So I believe if it has reached to that level, it might as well lead to, to Europe, North America. If China has that kind of power to colonize the whole con- continent, it can even reach to Europe, Australia, the North America, South America. Yes, yes. I mean, um, you know, when uh, 
when uh, Trump was in office, I mean, he was warning us of China, and now we've got Biden, who's uh, pretty much hand-in-hand uh, hand with China, so we got a lot to worry about on this side, too, and as you know, I mean, we're, we've got our problems as well over here in America with, uh, of course, the racial tensions, and then um, we're, we're in pretty bad debt to China as it is, too. I mean, it seems like, I think the racial tensions are the setting stage for the Communist Chinese Party. What do you think? I think so, because EFF also is advocating that China, Communist China, is the way, is the future in South Africa. So just imagine every politician believes in China. They suddenly believe in China. It is no longer about the United States. They think that China is taking over, like uh, even America. So they might as well go to the eastern side with China. So in South Africa, we are also waiting for that to happen. If China is really taking over, what will happen to our, to our economy? What will happen to the, to the property markets, to the farmers, to our jobs? We are wondering about that. No, and as you should be, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. And, and another thing, too, I don't know if you're aware of this, Sipo, but, uh, I mean, they talk about uh, racism and they say the white people are just the worst, the biggest racists there are. A lot of them, like Julius Malema, will say something like that. And then they'll, they'll compliment the Chinese people and say they are honorary blacks. And then at the same time, over in Beijing, and, and I'm not kidding, over in Beijing, there is a museum an, a so-called art museum where they have pictures of, uh, of black people being compared to animals. It's, it's one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. And they, and they don't realize, too, that in, in, a lot of black people who are living in China are getting kicked out. I mean, also the Chinese are some of the biggest racists I've ever seen. And they take over Africa. How is this going to work out? People, people, normally in Africa, people don't know how brutal China is. The history proves that China is very brutal. With, the, with, 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 with that dictatorship, China has killed so many people within their own, with, with their own country. Imagine if they they ruining other countries, in, and especially a country like South Africa, with no order, because this, this country, it has no order at all. Everything is blamed on racist whites, which I'm still waiting to meet them because I've never met a racist white. Because it is, even on Twitter, the blacks on Twitter believe that what is happening right now it is because of white people refusing to share the economy. You know, they're coming with all sorts of things to cover up the story that ANC is the one responsible. So white people are still going to be blamed on this one. Uh, from these blacks who are waiting with ANC, because we know there are black middle class in South Africa, which happen to be within the ANC. They are on Twitter right now, uh, racializing what's happening. Because right now in Devon, uh, in the suburbs of Devon, uh, the there's a rule that you can enter the estate or the suburb with a proof of your resident. 
So they using this as a reason because also black people are saying they, they do have their own proof of residence. They can use it to 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 enter their own residency because they trying to protect themselves from this looting from hooligans just trying to enter pe- people's home and looting. So right now the blacks in the suburbs are trying to use this as a race. They stay in the suburbs. They know what's going on. They know that they have, they, you need to have a proof of residence to enter some estate. But they're using it, this as a risk. They say black people are denied access to the estate. How can you deny a resident who stays there with their own security code to enter? You see, this whole thing is a, you know, it's just to cause confusion to the people on the ground, to those who are not aware of what's going on. We see it. Why people are still going to blame, but not this time it will backfire. Because everything leads back to ANC, with Zuma being arrested, everything leads back to them. You know, the, uh, these people that you're referring to as hooligans, you know what they really are, Sipo, is that uh, they don't realize it. Or, or it, and even if they do realize it, it's like they don't care, but they're slaves. You know, they... The, they don't realize that they are enslaved to this government being used as pawns to do this dirty work. They are aware of it. They are aware. There are some of them breaking away from that chain. They are breaking away some of them. Some of them are still holding on to it, believing that it will last forever. It cannot. It has been exposed many times in, in South Africa. We, have, we, have, we, 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 we do have someone called Big Daddy, I think she has his own channel on YouTube. He's exposing it now. He's a black guy from Devon. He's exposing this whole thing. Some are even, you know, they are living it because they can see now it's not on their advantage anymore. With fake videos, racial videos, racial incidents, we know everything up, up, about this. They're making up these stories so that when white people react, then it becomes a racism. We know everything about it. It's an all-time story. They must just leave it and focus on what's really happening because government is also involved in making our lives difficult. That's a true story, not racism. Yes, yes, indeed, I, I agree. I mean, may, maybe it was racism uh, a few years ago, but it, I think it's time we get past that so we can see what the real problem is. I mean, the sad thing is, is unfortunately, there's always going to be racism and prejudice out there. I mean, because uh, there are people that are that stupid, and I don't care what color your skin is, uh, there you know you're going to find people that stupid in every race. It's, but uh, for the for the most part, you know, you're. I mean, I haven't heard anything about the AWB in South Africa for quite some time, and or any any uh, radical group like that. It has changed. It has changed. To us, the black people, the radical uh, groups right now, uh, is EFF, PLF, and some other smaller groups. It is the same as AWP, but I haven't heard from AWP as well in a long time. So it has now changed faces. EFF now is fighting these racial things between black and white. So mm-hmm. people of, of South Africa, they are in for a shock when to eventually learn who was the enemy, who was doing this, who, who was encouraging what. They are in for a shock of their lives. 
and it's going to be mm-hmm. too late. It's very late to change this game right now. It is very late to 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 change political parties because right now everything leads to you know, to one government. All roads lead to that. Everybody can see it. Even if we vote out ANC, it's not going to make out any difference right now. Yes, that's what it is. You know, yes. Yes. Well, Sipo, I have. Uh, well, just one more thing uh, I wanted to touch on before we go, too. It was uh, back in November, I spoke with a man by the name of uh, Pitriacito. He, he's a good guy. He's, I don't know if uh, you know him or not, uh, but uh, I think that's somebody you'd probably stand with. Uh, he's been going to farms with his, uh, with his hands wrapped up in chains, uh, basically uh, saying, that uh, this is supposed to be a free South Africa, but I'm wrapping my hands in chains to show that we are not free. And he's standing with the farmers, all that. Have, have you heard of him? I have heard of him, but right, right now he's so quiet. I haven't heard of him in a while. He's so quiet. I have heard that he was traveling from from Cape Town, coming yeah. inside Pretoria. Yes, but she's so quiet right now. I'm not sure what's happening to him. And farmers were supporting him as well. So I didn't know. Uh, I, uh, part of me wanted to contact him uh, to meet him halfway in order for uh, support. But I think I, I I haven't seen him in a, in a while on social network because I needed to take part as well. But she's uh, very quiet. Yes. All right. Well, um, that's all the time we have for this segment, Sipo. Uh, I'm... Honestly, it, you're in a dangerous situation. I mean, it's like you're behind enemy lines back there. And I, I definitely pray for your safety, to, you know, I mean, um, and, uh, you know, the future of South Africa needs to be prayed for as well. Yes, yes, correct. We must just hang in there. Something will change. Maybe it will change on our, on our good side or even worse. Even if it changes worse, it's not going to last long. It will change unless SANC will be moved out of way. Let's see what's 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 there for us. Yes. I think people must see the yes. Yes, most definitely. Well, you take care of yourself out there and uh, you stay safe because, uh, like like I said, I know it's dangerous, but uh, you've already proven you're a tough person. You're not afraid, and 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 that's only to be respected. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, thank you. I always put America in my prayers because your country is also going through something like this in South Africa due to the people who use racism to get what they want. So I believe South Africa and America are a bit similar with this violent riot. Yes. Black and white, yes. Which means it proved to me that the enemy is the same. If America can do what South Africa is doing, the enemy is the same. That is right. That's absolutely right. Well, once again, um, you take care of yourself, and God bless. Be safe out there. God bless, Bethany, and God bless America. Thank you for having me. Yes, and God bless South Africa, too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you have the interview that I recorded with Sipo Mnisi out of South Africa. Again, keep SIPO in your prayers. Keep the people of South Africa in your prayers. Keep the country of South Africa in your prayers for 
what they are going through right now. With that said, it's time to go to the music set. Coming up, we have Ramada. It's been a while since I played anything by them. Going to be followed by Aaron Stoll, Mike LaPon's Silent Assassins, Doug Armento and the Iron Mules, and Lurid Liz. Be right back after this. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. You're listening to Outlaw Radio, and if you don't agree with our opinions, then fuck your mother. Hey, do you kiss your girlfriend with that mouth? How could you do this to me? After everything I did for you, I gave you everything. I guess it wasn't enough. Cause now I'm sitting here Writing a song I never knew what was coming Couldn't stand it, I'm manic Come running circles and roaming Searching answers to questions That don't add up in the phony Like how you left me with secrets And shattered dreams at the moment When I would hold you with safety And keep you free from the lonely Guard your heart like a castle And treat you good like your royalty And I loved you for everything that you are And nobody could tell me different From evidence from this moment I'm holding on to this anger I strangle at the thought of you cheating You fucking strange with anger You told me you were leaving Now I'm mangled and tangled In the webs that you're weaving I hope Choke on the tears, your eyes are bleeding and weeping I fucking left you for reasons, subtle and decent at best Three days later, see these pictures stumbled onto the web And you knew that we were dead, this private life that you kept Destroyed any odds of sympathy, a chance of respect I knew you wanted it, the way you wanted it I knew you wanted it, the way you wanted it I knew you wanted it, the way you wanted it I knew you wanted it, the way that you got it for me for such a face, I can see you your heart it follows me There's no Smile and hope you see moving forward for moments, including you and the bonuses, the emotions and bonuses. 
I've got to get broken and shattered. Now wear my heart on my sleeve. Although it's worn out and dead. If you think you're hearing from me, then you'll be waiting forever. You are the best and piss me off. And now it's on to the next one. I got my music so bruising. Well, tipping bottles of bruising. And now my heart is bruising. And I no longer feel stupid. I took that arrow from you. And then I shot it at you. Cause there ain't no room for apologies. Take that thought and then boot it. While kicking rocks with the boyfriend. Why you fighting and argue? Cause if he really did love you, he would think you were tardy. For claiming you're loyal. Bitch, you're cheating regardless. And if there's one thing I know, it's you and karma are heartless. So I'ma sit back in studios, pay my soul in the studios, give me all of my fans, and bust my ass like I'm new to this. Learning love from mistakes, and always welcome experience. The past is the past, and now I'm leaving you in it, bitch. Hey there, swinging bachelors. Tired of the steady drip, drip, drip of gonorrhea? Well, then Peter Rooter could be just what you've been looking for. Peter Rooter, that's the name. You just flush your troubles down the drain. Rotten Peter, rotten Peter, rotten Peter. I've been seeking. I've been. 
hook knife. I like it strong and I like it loud. Don't tread on me, I'm American proud. Pop culture sucks, I'm old school. Just as stubborn as an iron Down when he'll freeze it. Run this thing until it ceases. Like chrome and iron and wood and steel. Got a suicide valve on the steering wheel. Give me an iron or decent fuel, and I'll haul ass like an iron.
no other feeling than strapping up or grabbing those kettlebells, grappling on the mat, or doing some shadow boxing, getting knocked down, getting back up, throwing strikes, and then doing it all over again. So when you hear someone scream, gear up, you better get ready, because it's just you, your hunter athletic gear, and the voice telling you to train harder. No matter how much experience you have, hunter athletic gear stands with you all the way. Their products are engineered for utmost comfort, protection, and speed battle after battle hunter athletic gear is the brand celebrating your victory hunter athletic gear has a range of great training and fight gear for men and ladies including compression pants fight shorts hoodies vests caps and bikinis they can create custom branded ranges for your gym or business visit their website at huntermma.co.za gear up and let's train What news and information are your media dollars buying when the narrative is prescribed by the advertisers? Scripted lies, media brainwashing, and thought control. Take back your voice. Take back our media. But most of all, take back our First Amendment. Subscribe to Caravan to Midnight today for hard-hitting commentary free from political correctness and media bias as I and some of the most intelligent and interesting people on Earth delve deep into what really lies beyond the headlines. Three to four hour uninterrupted and uncensored information. Join our CTM family today. Join the movement. Join the fight for freedom and independence. Caravan to Midnight is media for the people, by the people, independent of commercial obligations or influence. For less than a cup of coffee per month, you can make a difference. Let the people fund the next news network. Help us grow. Help us create a platform where we place freedom of speech and thought first. Join the family at caravantomidnight.com. 
a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment of the United States of America's Constitution. This Second Amendment, the right of law-abiding Americans to privately own and possess firearms, is under attack like no other time in America's history. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have pledged to take away your Second Amendment rights through gun bans, gun confiscations, and government regulations. Even a gun tax. Do not take this lying down. The time to take action and fight to protect your Second Amendment rights is now. Join the Second Amendment Foundation, the oldest and largest nonprofit foundation focused on protecting your Second Amendment rights. For more information, to join or to donate, visit saf.org. And now a message for the men. Listen up, guys. Fact. As we men age, our IGF-1 growth factor levels decrease, which can lead to gradual deterioration of energy, muscle growth, and immune function. From Neutronics Labs comes a line of health supplements that make men men again. Deer Antler Velvet. Listen. IGF-1 Plus Deer Antler Velvet contains the most concentrated source of widely diversified nutrition found in the plant or animal kingdom. Choose from Neutronics Labs liposome spray products. From the Ultra 10,000 Nanograms Package to the Platinum 300,000 Nanograms Package. They're also specially formulated supplements for joint pain relief, more energy, better stamina, better natural sleep, stress relief, and weight loss. For more information about these amazing products, visit keys2life.shop. That's K-E-Y-S, the number two, life.shop. IGF-1 Plus Deer Antler Velvet Supplements from Neutronics Labs. Making men, men again. Yo, baby, you've had your asshole licked by a fat man in an overcoat? Fuck the shit. Fuck the fucking shit. Fuck shit. You're listening to Outlaw Radio. Now buy a sewing machine, take it home, and cram it up your ass. Fuck shit. The shit. Fuck shit. Shit. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Coldcock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, Gear Up, Let's Train, USAC, the United South Africa Coalition, and our newest sponsor, Neutronics IGF-1, making men, men again. For more details, go to keystolife.shop. That's keys, the number two, life.shop. All right, songs you just heard, you just heard... Lurid Liz with I Never Knew. Before that, Doug Armento and the Iron Mules with Iron Mule. Before that, Mike LaPon Silent Assassins with Night of the Long Knives. Before that, Aaron Stahl with Truth Gonna Set You Free. And starting off the whole set, Watch Your Back by Ramada. All right, ladies and gentlemen, in just a little bit, you're going to hear the classic interview that I had along with Stephen James and uh, Mac from Virginia with uh, The Beast, Bob Sapp. Yeah, that was back in 2011, so yes, 10 years ago. Before I get to that, it is time to reveal... The Outlaw Radio, Idiot of the Week. And ladies and gentlemen, the Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week this week is Edward Cagney out of New Jersey. If anyone else is uh, helping to incite 
and escalate a race war, it is this moron. Yeah, what a piece of shit going up, uh, you know, um, calling black people monkeys and using the N-word. Yeah, you can see it all on YouTube. Yeah, he's a real piece of work. All right, so with that said, let's go to AOW Classics. Digging deep into the history of AOW Productions. This is an Outlaw Radio AOW Classic. And ladies and gentlemen, we are live. If you're listening on my telespace, that would mean it is Friday, the 7th of October. I'm your host, Bat Billy from Las Vegas, Nevada. Very special show. Uh, special show that uh, I needed a couple of co-hosts. So uh, along with me, I have Mac from Virginia, host of Fight Nation. How you doing, Mac? Doing good, Billy. Thanks for having me. And we also have Stunner Wrestling Inc. Stephen James. How you doing, Stephen? I am better than most, but not as good as some. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. And uh, my special guest this week, if you've seen the 2005 remake of The Longest Yard or the current uh, remake of Conan the Barbarian, if you're a fan of K1, if you're a fan of Pride Fighting Championships, please welcome Bob the Beast Sap. <laughs> yeah, gotta love it. Yes. Um, I, well, I guess my first question is, uh, can you teach me to football? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, that is a wonderful, uh, a great movie uh, to, to be a part of a, a, a classic. It's, yeah. it's just all about, you know, the football. Now, here's a little bit of history. There was actually Sonny Sixkiller, who was a UW alumni. I went to the University of Washington, of which I played the offensive line. Well, he was in the old or the original The Longest Yard in the remake. Well, that's all about the B.O.B. because we had another UW Husky in The Longest Yard, and that happened to be myself. Absolutely. Now, um, from what I understand, though, when it came to that movie, uh, was... Uh, Michael Clark Duncan, uh, he was originally called to play that role of uh, Swatowski, right? I believe so. Um, you know, he's a, he's a great actor, and um, so I would uh, not be surprised if uh, they gave him a call. There's been uh, rumors that, uh, of course, that, that hey, you know, uh, he's kind of like my rival. The rival Michael Clark Duncan is going to be in the film. I was excited, but uh, I think I was a little more excited because I actually got the part. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. Uh, real I quick, anybody uh, but you could have played the Bob, to be honest. <laughs> oh, thanks. That's, I, I will take that as a compliment. <laughs> yes, I played the best, biggest dummy. You were perfect for it. Thanks. You know, hey, I, I guess I'm I'm perfectly a very big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're very I good. Play one up. <laughs> okay, yeah, definitely. You know, hey, you know, it's all about the the sincerity in the role. <laughs> Uh, before uh, we get on to the one right? <laughs> before we get on to sorry, go ahead, Stephen. What did you say? I said that would explain your uh, fondness for helmets. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Absolutely, you gotta love it. <laughs> uh, before we get into the first official question, uh, can I ask you to recite that line uh, from The Longest Yard? Okay, now which football are you talking about? You broke it in my nose. 
<laughs> yeah, that will that will work too. <laughs> but uh, my first question is, uh, what brought you to the sport of uh, mixed martial arts and kickboxing to begin with? Okay, I was a third round draft pick originally with the Chicago Bears. Ended up losing my job, so to speak, and off to the Minnesota Vikings. Well, in football, I played a game known as well butt back, which meant I ran out on the field and the coach said, Bob, bring your butt back. <laughs> okay, so after coming back and sitting on the bench, unfortunately, maybe through the running and through all of this rigorous training, I ended up getting uh, an injury uh, to my Achilles. I was unable to walk for a while and kind of moaning and groaning around, bounce from team to team a little bit, and before you know it, because of the injuries and whatnot, I'm out of football. Well, who came calling was uh, Ken Patera. Do you remember him? Ken Patera, the world's strongest man, Ken Patera. He was actually trained me for WWE and WCW. Nice. I do. Nice. I, I actually remember Ken, so for you to train under him, you know, he was a phenomenal in-ring talent, so he had a good teacher. Absolutely. You know, and he took me down there in Minnesota, showed me all the ropes and whatnot, and after that... Uh, kind of brief trial by uh, working with the uh, W, or actually working with Kim Terry, he ended up uh, getting me to Atlanta, Georgia, where I signed with WCW World Championship Wrestling. Uh, Paul Orndorff, the great wonderful, how about this? If we all remember him, he's awesome. Mr. Wonderful. Absolutely. So he, he ended up bringing me into the power plant, and well, at the power plant, I would learn how to do pro wrestling and, and you know, learn the now the uh, infamous beast laugh and the voice and all that good stuff while they taught me all that wonderful things. And right when I was ready to get on air, bang, you wouldn't believe it. I, the company goes bankrupt, bankrupt or belly up. You know, they're done for. I got a call from uh, an anonymous uh, phone call, actually, to my phone that said, hey, would you like to go to Japan? And uh, you're actually a, a star. We've been watching you. We love what you look like. We love everything you do. Can you um, come down and, and, and do this? And I was like, well, yeah, I'll come to Japan. How did you guys notice? Well, they watched a first boxing of mine called The Tough Man. Remember that show on the FX? Yes, uh, William the Refrigerator Perry, I believe, was your opponent, right? He sure was my opponent, and, and the person who I looked up to at that time, of course, for high school, was William the Refrigerator Perry. That's the reason why I had on number 72 in Jersey, and here I am getting ready to step into the ring with William the Refrigerator Perry in a, such a tough ring and arena. How tough is it? That's because the big bad butterbean would come also from come from uh, the get discovered on FX stuff, man. So they've had a very good following with some great guys in there. So I was able to go in there. They watched it. Japan K1. They loved it. They loved what I did, and they asked me to go over to J Japan. Well, eight months later, I would of course uh, primarily make history, which which would now bring uh, the beast into everyone's living room. Um, so far, you know we've we've. I've since graced the cover of t uh, Time Magazine and uh, um, several over, almost the cover of over what they say, 100,000 magazines. So, you know, we've got to just uh, take it to uh, the rumor mill, as they say, but we put it like this, it's a lot of them. <laughs> now, uh, you started uh, with uh, Pride Fighting Championships when it comes to MMA, right? Or did you start That's Absolutely, yep. Okay. Sure did. I want to talk about your second fight in uh, Pride Fighting Championships. Now, I never doubt 
the heart of a Japanese fighter. They're they're fearless, tough as nails. But sometimes I question how smart they are, especially Kiyoshi Tamura. I mean, I think you outweighed him by almost 200 pounds. And oh you yeah. Smashed, you smashed him in 11 seconds. Yeah, I think yeah, it was it was it was it was really really uh, absolutely uh, a unique fight. Of course, they were going by then uh, something that often gets uh, handed to me and and handed to big guys is will the lower guy it's the David and Goliath will the lower guy will the less guy win will the smaller opponent win you know and if so how will he do so and if the bigger guy uh, loses how will he do so and how will he fall down and that's what you're going to get when you always look at. Uh, uh, a big guy in the ring, especially when you look at me in the ring, you're always going to get these kind of debates, if you will, for people, and they're always going to say, well, the beast has won because he's too big and strong, or you're going to say, the beast has lost because he is so big and slow. And so once you, you, you always are going to always get that mysticism, so to speak, uh, you know, that your question, you want to have this question answered, you know, and so, hey, that's what us big guys do, and that's what the beast does, and and that's what Japan did in in that uh, at that time. Now, uh, one of your most uh, memorable fights in the Pride Fighting Championship has has got to be your loss to uh, the legend, of course, uh, uh, Minotaro Nogueira. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners all about that fight? Okay, so. Uh, and actually, I, I don't know if that happened to be my my third fight or what number fight because I was taking so many of these fights. Uh, uh, those first uh, within the first five years, uh, those fights are really uh, basically were fight was fighting between uh, maybe two and sometimes three times a month. So um, the as far as the number fight, I don't really remember that one, but I can tell you that we went into this dynamite fight. I had a trainer by the name of Josh Barnett. The babyface assassin, I believe, is what he goes by, and a legend, uh, Murray Smith. I was always given words of wisdom handed down from even the greats such as Randy Couture and, and Gary Goodrich. Well, we would go into this what was was then called Dynamite, and in America they replayed it and they called it Shockwave. They had over 100,000 people fill this stadium. Um, we uh, they also had a, a airplane and people were helicopter or parachuting out to get to their seats. It was absolutely amazing. Um, it was a nighttime fight, and it happened to be one of my first and early fights. Um, Noguera would we would start the fight. Noguera would instantly come in and try to take me down. I ended up doing what we would say is a sprawl or short sprawl. I picked Noguera up by his hips, lifted him up into the air. Bam, and landed him straight on top of his head. Uh, yes, he did lose consciousness, but when I lifted him up, I actually kind of jumped forward a little bit. So if you're able to see this, uh, the fight, or even if you're able to hear about how this fight goes, they'll tell you I actually jumped forward a little bit. I mean, maybe about yeah, two or three inches forward is where they ended up jumping instead of jumping up and going straight down. Well, that inertia or that energy of me jumping kind of forward saves Antonio Noguera because he was able to, in the air, because he was going forward, his, hair, his head kind of flipped underneath, his chin would touch then his, uh, almost like his sternum there, and he would kind of roll down forward. So he landed on the top part of his head and his forehead as opposed to directly down. That's what saved him and being able to have him walk and whatnot. Uh, 
we then would kind of come back. I was punching him a little bit. I actually punched him back awake. Uh, we finished the round. He came back in through some, um, we came into the second round. Well, how, how much of a champion and how much of a champion's heart does Antonio Nogueira have? It's tremendous because the first round in Pride Championships, the first round is 10 minutes. So yeah. he lost consciousness for almost four or five minutes and then ended up kind of coming back and punching a little bit of himself awake all the way for the remaining five minutes. We then would have another one-minute break. We'd come back in and go another five minutes. Well, he actually, this round was scheduled for, of course, another five minutes, and third round was scheduled for another five minutes. He actually came back and won with an arm bar one minute or a few seconds before the bell would ring. So it was great. Um, it showed that he powered back as a champion. Of course, it, it did put me on the map by saying, you know, hey, this guy is, even though he's a beginner, he's ready to go. And we all know uh, kind of about uh, what Nogueira would later go on to do. He was the pride champion. And, of course, now he fights for UFC. Yes, absolutely. Now, uh I want to talk about uh, two fights against uh, one particular opponent you had who was a, who's a living legend in kickboxing uh, when you uh, went into K1, and that would be Ernesto Hoost. And uh, anybody who knows uh, K1 knows uh, Ernesto Hoost, uh, you know, what, what kind of a legend he is, too. I mean, he can, you can say he is to K1 what Nogueira is to Brazil almost. And absolutely, absolutely. I think one thing that you've got to remember when you're talking about any Ernesto Hoos, uh, you're talking about how big Ernesto Hoos is or what he has done for uh, not only K1, which is kickboxing, but for the sport of kickboxing alone, it's tremendous. This is a man who was a champion, a world champion at the age of 15. So he was actually in the ring, kicking, punching mean opponents, older men at 15. So can you imagine being the father of Ernesto Hoost? Well, I mean, it's like if this guy has got, well, let's just say you're going to be very lenient on your restrictions if he's to have any at all, okay? So there's probably not a lot of punishment. So I want to know if Ernesto Hoost was allowed to stay up and watch rated R movies, something that I was unable to do. <laughs> now I, I know that uh, I don't remember if it was this first or second fight, but I, I know he nailed you with some good leg kicks, and that's just got to make me ask you how hard does every he fight? Kick? <laughs> how hard does he kick? Absolutely, uh, huge. Um, in, in particularly the first fight, he kicked me with around thirty or so leg kicks. Now the leg kick, you connect. Through, with the thigh, with your shin. Now, in the movies, you will see that a leg kick often connects with the foot. Well, that's kind of like slapping somebody, and so that usually isn't going to do any damage to a professional fighter. But when they are kicking and they kick with the shin, the shin is actually hitting that big meat right there on your thigh. That creates like uh, a Charlie horse or a cramp sensation in the leg, and that's what ends up when you get kicks too many times in that area, your leg fills up with a whole bunch of blood and you just are unable to move. It's a huge bruise. Well, I still was able to move at least for the remainder of the rounds or should we 
So that meant my leg was swollen so bad that the the nerve right from the base of my booty all the way up to my back of the head was completely inflamed so I could barely even walk. So uh, going around and getting in a taxi cab, placing my legs out and going straight, huh, it was very, very difficult. And of course, going to the bathroom became a huge challenge at this point. <laughs> well, I understand uh, the sciatic pain right there because I, I've, I had to have back surgery myself and it's something that's not fun. I know what you're saying. Absolutely. And think about it. At least your, your surgeon at least put you out for it. I mean, my, my surgeon was, uh, I think he forgot to anesthetize me. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> now, I do have to ask, uh, who, who has the harder kick, or uh, Ernesto Hoost or Remy Bonjaski? Okay, now, Remy Bonjaski, his, his kicks are a little bit... Uh, uh, what I would say when they're when they're direct, he can, he actually can connect. When I was fighting him, he actually connects really almost with his toe and toe to the eye. So I'm going to go ahead and go with Ernesto Hoost on this one. But as far as the accuracy and, and whatnot, well, we'll give it to Remy. He's got pinpoint accuracy as he punches me in the eye. A lot like uh, one of the other legends, Mirko Kokop, who punched me right in the eye so hard, it actually blew my eye socket. That's known as an orbital blowout, where mine was known as a severe orbital blowout. It actually took my eyeball and it fell inside of the hole. What does that mean? Well, if anyone is familiar with the game of golf or even pool, the ball goes completely inside of that hole, that socket. Well, as you can't, you're unable to see it anymore. Well, I was unable to see out of that eye because my eyeball actually went completely into the eye socket. So, you know, uh, my doctor was like, it looks like somebody was playing pinball with your eye. So uh, we ended up having to take that back out and seal it up with some sealant or something like this. But uh, uh, Miracle Krokop would give me um, that orbital blowout. And that's, of course, due to his uh, uh, one over great power and his, uh, his pinpoint accuracy as well. I don't know how these guys are pinned to get me. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Now I want to I want to ask you uh, between uh, two much smaller guys that you have fought and unfortunately have lost to between uh, uh, Mac. Help me out here. Uh, I I just think his last name is pronounced Manoa. Uh, can't pronounce his first name. Minimal man. Minimal man. Yeah, exactly. That's what we call him. Yep. Now between him and Sakaju, who's Sakaju. Uh, yes. Yes. Yes significantly smaller than you uh, uh, which, out, of, out of those two uh, which uh, which one would do you think was stronger well here you okay so now both of those guys actually defeated me with two different things we've take we've take a Sokoju who is kind of like what we call is a striker so Sokoju is going to hit you with the flurry of punches he ended up uh, well the ref stopped it with the flurry of punches now I think the ref stopped it a bit prematurely given the fact that I didn't even get a black eye. Now, yes, I know I'm black and I have two black <laughs> eyes, but I didn't get a blacker eye. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> so, and then if we turn around and we take middle man, well, he's a leg submission specialist. So what he actually did is almost make my legs look just like, kind of like a, a pretzel. So they were tied up in this big knot and, um, you know, uh, kind of up and down, looping around is what my legs ended up doing. So my legs look like the letter M or McDonald arches, whatever you want to say, 
I just say stop, and so therefore I'm the one who tapped on that. So that was uh, not stopped uh, prematurely. That was actually stopped. Uh, thank goodness the ref was there. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, I also have to ask you, I, I, if you go on YouTube and uh, you type in the name Bob Sapp, you'll also find some sumo matches. You've, been, you've done some sumo. How, how did that come into play? Uh, how did you get involved in sumo? Well, um, you know, everyone usually wants to see Bob Sapp or the Beast. <laughs> they want to see him do something a little bit different each and every time. So uh, one of the, the television says, hey, let's put you on here with a couple of sumo guys. Let's put you on here with a couple of the, the K-1 guys that have some great power, and let's see how you do. Well, one of the guys that I actually was reunited with was one of the FX Tough Man's all-time stars. That would be Butterbean. So I would actually go against Butterbean right in there in a sumo match. Well, yeah, I ended up uh, defeating the old Bean there, and... Uh, subsequently ended up winning the sumo match well the celebrity sumo so uh, a great uh, bit of history there obviously in Japan um, with sumo being a huge and wonderful uh, sport uh, earlier this year you, we had Alisha Overeem who actually went down to Japan and would do the same thing and hey because Alisha Overeem hey he's on a roll right now because if he isn't he's rolling you up with his wonderful huge nice punches and MMA style well he ended up winning the sumo match over in Japan. That took place probably, I would say, at least about one month ago. Um, historically, sumo is huge. And how huge is it? Well, in the year, I believe it is 2006, I would fight Japan's uh, sumo great Akebono in a kickboxing match. And in that match, we had over 54 million people tune in in Japan. That would, of course, get the world record for the highly and most watched viewership ever. And I believe it still stands today. Well, that's how much history goes into Japan. And, of course, more than Japanese were obviously watching me battle it out with Akebono. The Beast would win and become victorious by knocking Akebono out and making him pretty much look like a rather large frog on the canvas. So, you know... We gotta love sumo and for what it's done for the beast. Absolutely, and uh, you're also sumo goes. You're bigger, bigger than the Beatles, then. <laughs> yeah, and let me tell you, it was, it's absolutely a a, a honor. And uh, you know, uh, I think except you know they throw rice over their shoulders uh, in, in sumo, and I'm always thinking, you know, is that brown rice or white rice? Because you know, I, I love to have rice with some of my foods out there. <laughs> 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 now, um, I got to ask you about uh, one other fight that you had. Uh, you were in a different type of bout in uh, the final show in 2004 in uh, K1, uh, two rounds of MMA and two rounds of kickboxing. Uh, you tell our listeners about that fight, uh, you know, about how the, how the rules are. I believe it's uh, win, lose, or draw, no decision on that, right? Absolutely. So let me, okay, so this fight took place, I believe I just ended up fighting uh, uh, or even making the longest yard. So it's kind of a little bit all a blur. And maybe when I tell you about this fight, you'll know why it is a blur. I would go in there against France's boxing heavyweight, kickboxing heavyweight champion, Jerome Le Benier. Jerome Le Benier from France. Well, we, and we meaning my and my quarterman, we said, listen, this fight is supposed to be 
one rules, which would be kickboxing rules for round one, and MMA rules for round number two. Round number three is going back to K-1 rules. Round number four going back to MMA rules. And how long are the MMA rounds? Five minutes. How long would be the K-1 or the kickboxing rules? How long were the rounds? Oh, three minutes long. So... I had to come up with a plan. The beast needed a big plan. Why did the beast need a big plan? Because, you know, my endurance can kind of go a little bit, well, ka-plunky, ka-plunky. Well, I went out in this match, and my cornerman said, listen, he's a trained, highly trained kickboxing assassin. What we want you to do is throw a couple of jabs and then kind of back up and kind of backpedal and run away a little bit, you know? Okay. I said, all right, I think this is going to work because when we get the MMA rounds, we're going to totally tear them up. I said, I completely agree with you guys. So, bing, bing, round one comes out, and I'm we're, we're kind of chatting it out a little bit, and then I'm like, okay, here we go. He starts coming after me. I begin to kind of run around a little bit. Well, you know, I thought I was going to be pretty fast. Well, I kind of forgot that the beast is a little bit slow. Well, Jerome LeBanier ended up punching me in the side of the neck. I would then go down, boom, 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 got up. And it felt like there was like electric shocks going through my feet. So it was like, mm. so as my electric shocks were going through my feet, uh, Jerome would then come back and punch me down again. And so those were all, I ended up falling down twice where they, um, I think it was two times if it wasn't twice. It definitely was one time that seems that hit as hard as two. Well, let me tell you, we would dance. I would then answer to the second bell. I would take Jerome LeBanner down and basically mount him and beat him down for the entire five minutes. This guy's taking a complete pounding for five minutes. Well, he comes back. Now the third round, both the beast and Jerome LeBanner were a bit tired. We come out, breathing a little bit heavy, and I can barely lift up my arms. And same thing with Jerome. Jerome comes in, and my corner says, Bob, jeez, for crying out loud, just please throw one punch. So I throw a left jab. It punches Jerome, and he literally almost flies back to the other edge of the ring. Now, time to get ready to come in destroy the opponent, time to come knock him down, knock him out. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that because I was just so plumb tired coming through. I was just exhausted. So I kind of said, well, I'll try to get to him. It didn't work. Uh, we ended up having to go to the fourth round, which was now MMA. So already three minutes of kickboxing, five minutes of MMA, three minutes of kickboxing. Now I've got five more minutes of MMA. And the beast has got to make it work. Jerome and I, Banner comes in here and we, he takes me down, mounts me, punches my face. I push him back over, mount him, punch his face. He pushes me back over, mounts me, punches my face. And then he switches up and starts to kind of knee me to the top of the head. Oh my goodness, I'm getting kneed in the top of the head. And I'm tired at that. Well, the beast ended up taking Jerome catching me, flipping him over. I then got his arm in a Kimura lock, pulling it down, pulling it down, 
Bing, 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 bing. The match is over. We run out of time. Couldn't believe it. So, well, we had to settle for a draw because uh, if K1 rules, you didn't win in the K1 match, Jerome, and MMA rules, Bob, you didn't win in the MMA match, so that means it's a ding, ding, win-win situation. Well, we had to call it a draw. And uh, we have a caller in queue, uh, 781. You're on the air. You have a question for Bob Sapp? Ah, no questions. Just uh, how do you do, sir? It's a pleasure to make your acquaintance. My name's Eddie. Okay. Nice to meet you, Eddie. <laughs> That's Eddie out of Detroit. Yes. Well, I'm, uh, I'm a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty avid fan of the MMA sports. Awesome. That's great yep. stuff. So I'm glad. I'm, I'm uh, actually I was stoked when uh, Billy told me you were uh, you had made the transition uh, a while back. I was uh, I was really excited for you. Oh, great! Thanks. I, I hope I uh, have a. Uh, Allowed you to kind of check out the beast and see us uh, so display me how, how I can display some of my MMA skills. <laughs> yep. Well, you definitely you definitely got the power, man. You just you know just fine tune them, and and I I bet you'll do great. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Uh, Stephen, you have some uh, pro wrestling related questions. Go ahead and shoot them. Oh damn! I forgot I was still here. What's up, Steve? Wake up, Steve. Wake up. Seriously, dude, you're a hell of a storyteller. Oh, thank you very much. You know, and well, Steve, let me tell you something. As long as I kept you awake, because a lot of these fighters that I'm talking about, well, they put people to sleep for a living. So uh, I like to keep you awake <laughs> and then only put you to sleep when you're in the ring with me. <laughs> yeah. See, the thing is, I've heard the uh, interviews with some of the guys that Billy has talked to, and they've been hitting the head a lot. And because of that, they're not all that entertaining because most of them can't, uh, you know, string three words together. So. <laughs> well, that's because of the hits. The hits, they've got to sometimes stop taking them. <laughs> well, if they stop biting guys like you with, you know, ham hocks or hands, I think it would hit so hard. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I did want to ask uh, a little bit. Uh, you kind of went into what happened with uh, you signing with WCW. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was actually a little bit more interested in uh, how you've done in the business in Japan. Okay, so, yeah, absolutely. Great stuff going on in Japan for professional wrestling. The Beast would end up having his K1 W1 wrestling show. So I would have my own wrestling organization in Japan. We did pretty well. We actually put on big names such as Bill Goldberg and Scotty Steiner. They all came down there and wrestled for K1 W1 of the Beast wrestling, professional wrestling organization. Unfortunately, just like WCW, we ended up going belly up as well. However, I've continued to pro-wrestle. I still pro-wrestle to this day. I was the first foreigner IWGP foreign MVP and champion that they had in the history of Japan. That was great stuff there, and that trophy is so huge, and it's solid jade and gold. Yes, I keep it. Well, I did keep it in my house. I've got to put it in that little safety deposit box bank kind of thing. But currently, I fight for a, or pro-wrestle, which is much like fighting, for a great and well-known legend named Antonio Anoki. 
IGF. A lot of the professional fighters will always go over to uh, that ring for professional wrestling because for many people who may be unaware, they always say, well, hey, you know, I don't know because professional wrestling is kind of like it's fake and I really like the thing they make because it's real. They have, they have to understand, professional wrestlers, it's real. We call it real dangerous. Why? Because they're on the road so much and they're also taking those hits so many times. For MMA, we, all we do is simply massively, really hard, hiddenly connect. For pro wrestling, we connect with things like fists, chairs, knees, concrete, and have to continue to do so all the time. So we've got to be able to, you know, kind of make it work. Who's some of the guys in uh, Japan that she's like working with the most? Oh, I love, you know, there's so many of them, but uh, one of the, we ended up, I ended up working up with this guy by the name of Sakurai. Okay, so that was amazing. Okay, we, we ended up, also we have Kinsuke Sasaki, who was the guy who I ended up uh, fighting and uh, winning the IWGP belt against, um, you know, so great stuff like that. Uh, we had some other legends in there by Nina Fujita, who I ended up fighting, who beat me in Roman X fight, kicking me in the back of the head. Uh, I'm going to get you, Fujita. You hear me? I'm coming out to you. So, uh, well, that's right. So, so some of those guys, it's great stuff, you know. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's wrestling is, is absolutely amazing. Absolutely. But it's pretty well known, but, I mean, wrestlers in any – athletes in any genre really are treated with a great deal of respect in Japan, but they're also forced to earn that respect. So if absolutely. you had a, an ongoing career in Japan, it's obvious to me and any other wrestling fan – that you get out there and you must put on one hell of a show. Oh, yeah, I, I love it. You know, in, in whether it's uh, wrestling, whether it's fighting, huh, the beast is going to show up. And I'm definitely going to do uh, absolutely anything and all that I can. You know, and, uh, hey, sometimes when it's, the result is something that you don't like, always welcome to get the beast off and hit him with some criticisms as well as with some compliments because, well, I've got to take them both. Wrestlers got to take them both. Sometimes we got to take it as the baby face. That's the good guy. Sometimes we got to take it as the heel, and that's the bad guy. And sometimes we just like to kick it around. Well, that's called the tomato peel. But no matter what, we always like to have a good time. So you prefer uh, going out as a heel? I was saying, do you prefer going out as a face or a heel? You know, I, it just depends really on who I'm going against, you know. So it's just uh, one of those things, you know. It's it's, it's kind of gets uh, the blood going, uh, you know. If, if I'm going against, if I'm going, hey, listen, if, if the beast is going to be a heel, then it's great because I get to really come out in there and beat the guy up and really have everybody hate me. Which, you know, depending on the time and the day of the weekend, if I had an MMA fight or a kickboxing match, depending on the result. Sometimes the audience really likes to get back at me, so then they'll make me, of course, the heel. Now, if you see me kind of go out there and kickbox him or MMA, knock somebody out, beat them with a great submission, then they really love to see me, so then they're going to make me a baby face. So really, it, it depends. I'm just uh, happy to be called. <laughs> so we just say something about you. <laughs> That's right. Gotta love it. You have a caller in queue, 805, you're on the air. You have a question for Bob Sapp? 
Yeah, Billy, it's Jake. How you doing, man? Hey, Jake, um, how you doing, man? Doing good, doing good. You told me you had Bob on today, so, you know, I had to call in and talk to the beast himself. How you doing, Bob? <laughs> What's happening, Jake? <laughs> hey, man, I have to ask, you know, you came over from the K-1 and the, you know, what I call the fake wrestling. You know, no, no offense, I have to call it fake. I came, you know, from a collegiate background, but I have a lot of respect for what you guys do. You guys take a lot of pride. Hey, hey, come on, bring it. Bring it, bring it, bring it. You gotta love it. Bring it. Oh, <laughs> uh, definitely. You guys are talented. I can't do half those backflips half you guys can do, but, but my question comes, you know, when you made the move over to MMA, like, what kind of jiu-jitsu background and what kind of jiu-jitsu training did you do and are you still training? Okay, yes, um, so the question is, what kind of uh, training does the beast do? Is it jiu-jitsu? What is it? And where do you train kind of stuff? Well, I've trained with some Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys. I trained with Josh Barnett. Um, one of my trainers is Matthew Hill, who, of course, still bounces around and trains some of the UFC guys back and forth. I've trained with Randy Couture. I've trained with uh, uh, Marie Smith. As far as Brazilian jiu-jitsu, if, I, if the beast is going to get, like, in a D, a T, or one of those little outfits with the belt on, no. Um, I'm showing up in there. I've got fight pants on or spandex and uh, we're kind of going at it and doing MMA training which basically kind of involves a mixture of wrestling for what you like to call it Jake the real wrestling it involves some of the real wrestling some of the getting on top of you know the guys kind of pummel me around a little bit punch me up a little bit and when I get back up and do uh, kickboxing well why because we call it mixed martial arts so it's actually a mixture of all different type of arts or all different types of fighting sports so to speak if, if I was to just train and only do jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, well, then I'm sure the callers would call in and say, hey, you're not doing real Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you're doing MMA. So, um, as far as uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, nah, not too much training as that in a whole part of it because it's a mixed martial arts. It's a mixture of all different types of fighting is what I do. And I train in downtown Seattle. Sometimes you catch me at Ivan Salaberry's gym, which is Ivan, he's kind of like spelled with a giant capital I and a Z and a N all mixed in it. I don't know. Maybe that's because it's mixed martial arts and he's mixing his letters up a little bit, but hey, that's what he calls it. That's where you'll find the beast. Um, Mac, you've been awfully quiet. Did you have any questions? Yeah, I'm just back here chilling. What's up, Bob? <laughs> What's happening, Mike? I'm, I'm chilling, man. You were talking earlier about your fight with Noguera and, and the two you had with Ernesto Host back in uh, '02, and that was really the most important part of your combat sports career, at least, at least in a lot of fans' eyes, because that's really what they <clears throat> still remember and talk to today. Absolutely. So my, my question to you is, what does that mean to you knowing that that's still in the mind of fans eight, nine years later? Oh man, I love it. It's it's great stuff. It, it means it means so much to me. Uh, the fact that uh, you know that I'm able to basically with, excuse me, <laughs> I'm almost dropping my phone here. It means a lot to me. The reason why is because it, it shows the history that I'm in involved in. You know, and uh, there's it's it's. It, as far as the fighting is concerned, it, it just really opens up and it says, man, wow. This is what I was able to do. This is what I was a part of. You know, um, when you look at the entertainment aspect, of course, they kind of, they bring up different things, which is great. You know, when they talk 
about entertainment and, and great spices. They'll bring up Ace Bono. When they talk about the, the, the beast, big mouth, they always bring up Mike Tyson coming in the ring and me coming after him and him coming after me. So just to kind of get involved and be in the history of fighting, in the history of, of professional wrestling, in the history of entertainment, hey, it's all great because with my big mouth, I had a much history going on in junior high, as you well may imagine. And that history, my folks will tell you, was primarily in the principal's office. <laughs> now, you've had several trips over to Japan. Have you had a chance to learn the language at all? Yes, uh, yeah, I'm, I've been going back and forth to uh, Japan now, it looks like, for about 12 years. <laughs> so, the first time I was supposed to pack for one week, I ended up packing for five years, is where I ended up staying in Japan. So, yes, I uh, do speak uh, uh, Japanese uh, uh, quite well. So, uh, I, you know, I, I enjoy uh, Japan, and yes, if the next question is, how about the women, I can only tell you, the beast loves bits of dessert with his sushi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. And my last question for you is... Uh, my, question about Japan, my question about Japan wasn't about the women, although I was going to get there. My question is, I know you're a bigger guy, and I know Japan is notorious for really, really, really small living spaces. How's that working out for you? <laughs> well, it's, it's amazing. You know, and you're, and you're right. Sometimes you can get the first generation of Japanese where you've got these little smaller doors and stuff. But now, you know, we've kind of moved on and everyone's kind of bigger. And so maybe they give me the sumo-sized portions of uh, the beds and the uh, eating. So uh, we do uh, quite well. But uh, I will tell you, uh, one thing that seems to never have changed, which is the roads. I mean, they fit... Well, we would fit in a seven-lane highway. They fit all those cars only on two lanes, and they come inches within, oh, within touching each other. Sometimes you can actually smell the paint on the other car as you're passing it. That's how close they are. I can't believe it, and they, they don't have any accidents. It's incredible, and they'll be on their phone and smoking at the same time, and oh, my goodness, that's, ooh, it's, it's amazing. So, Mac, you have another crossing in Vegas was bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did, Bob. Uh, you competed and performed in mixed martial arts, kickboxing, sumo wrestling, and professional wrestling. How do you train for each? What uh, preparations do you have to take from competing in one over the other? Yeah, for kickboxing, um, it's just this, you know, what we say, stand up. So I'm just really just doing something more than, than kickboxing. Now, depending on my opponent, Will I stand up and just kick the bag and, and, and uh, several times or for several minutes and then same thing with the punching, you know, so, so that's kind of a, where I'm at with that for the kickboxing. Now, then of course, sometimes the next day I got to do MMA. So right after kickboxing class, I got to immediately go into do some mixed martial arts classes and that takes a long time. And so between those two things, in between the class, and while I'm getting down and while I'm tired, my cornermen will always be, you know, we call it cracking. Sometimes some people call it jonesing, you know what I mean? Some other people say, hey, put them down, but they aren't really putting me down in the negative sense. They will give me and criticize and do all types of stuff and have make sure that I come back and tell them either by using a metaphor or I will end up having to come back by saying something that's colorful, but yet 
PG or G rated. So that's how I'm always preparing for everything that you hear me, even in character tonight. <laughs> that's how, while I'm, I'm able to do that so well, because each and every time I'm hit with every scenario off of everything. So, and you know, we've got to sit down and when we talk, uh, I've got to, sometimes we'll sit down and we'll go out to eat afterwards. And this is for professional wrestling. And this is of course doing for interviews or whatever. Sit down and eat and they'll say, okay, today's the topics, uh, dandelions. And so, uh, okay, um, how about dandelions? How about we talk about flowers? Okay, great. And then you've got to start bringing flowers and talk about dandelions and you've got to make that into, mix that into your fight. So you've got to say colorful words using flower or dandelions for the person that you're going to fight. So that's kind of how I mix that in and how we mix in the training for professional wrestling or doing interviews, uh, colorful interviews. And, of course, the training for professional wrestling is pretty much uh, mixed in there the same way. Um, so within that is how you get the full round of the beast. <laughs> Stephen, why don't you go ahead with the 10-on-10? Uh, all right. Okay, Bob. Typically, what we do anytime uh, we interview somebody for Stunner Wrestling, and anytime I assist Billy with interviewing MMA fighters that have to have any professional wrestling in their background, is we come up with ten names that they have some form of connection to, or that's very involved in the businesses that they're involved in, and pretty much uh, we just throw out the name, and you give us a line or two on each name on what you generally think of them, whether you like them, dislike them. So, yeah. Absolutely. Sounds great. Whatever comes off the top of the head. Sounds great. Well, go ahead and hit me off, because after this 10 on 10, I've got to get ready and go have me my 10 ounces of steak, 10 eggs, and bacon tour. The beast has got to get going. He's hungry as hell. (laughs) We're ready to go. I don't know if that, uh, I think that might give me a heart attack. All right, first name. I can't believe I'm throwing actors into this. Adam Sandler. <laughs> Adam Sandler, great guy. And we'll talk about Scooter. He drove a little light scooter. In and out of work. Scooter. <laughs> All right. Uh, Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds, wonderful man. Time Magazine made the cover of Time Magazine. And, of course, that's how we shared a common bond. So we'll say Burt Reynolds. Time Magazine, The Beasts, of course, made a cover of Time as well. All right, let's go to somebody you may not like quite as much. Bobby Lashley. <laughs> Bobby Lashley. Well, I don't know too much about Bobby Lashley. Let me say jealousy, because I got a little bit of jealousy over him. I was actually dating a girl that said he's got a better body than The Beast. <laughs> Bobby Lashley. So I'm going to have to go with jealousy. <laughs> Bill Goldberg, great guy. So we're going to have to go with history. The history behind Bill Goldberg runs deep. He actually taught me how to do a lot of pro wrestling. When I was at WCW, he occasionally calls me back and forth and mentors me. So we've got to go with history. (laughs) All right. The great Kali. The great Kali. Great guy. Big and strong, and well, you're broken in my nose. So we're gonna go with huge for the great Kali. He's the big man that kicked me in the face in the remake of The Longest Yard. Evan Nash. 
Kevin Nash. Ho, 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 big sexy. Well, we're going to say, call me, but didn't. And that would be Kevin Nash because when he pro-wrestled in Japan, the guy didn't call me. And I came backstage and I said, Kevin, you're in town and you didn't call me. He said, oh, Bob, I'll do it next time. He came back to Japan again and he didn't call me again. So I went back down there and I had to go ahead and have a couple words with him. We had a big laugh and he says, hey, you make sure you take a look at what I did in the movies because you did Electra," And he ended up doing, I think it is, uh, what is that movie, Judge Dredd or something I want to say? So pretty cool stuff. Not, no, new one is The Punisher. The Punisher. <laughs> he did The Punisher. He was in The Punisher. So I did uh, Electra and he did The Punisher. So we kind of compare some notes on that. So we're going to say, hey, Kevin, <laughs> big sexy, you better call the beast sometime. Target alert. <laughs> Uh, Steve Austin. Steve Austin. Oh, great. We're going to say ring. Why? Because my buddy Rick Maverick designs these huge rings. They look like a skull and someone's got the diamond in them and all this crazy stuff. Well, Kevin Nash, I introduced him to Kevin Nash. Those guys ended up doing some business deals and he ended up doing some merchandise for uh, Kevin, or I'm sorry, for Steve Austin. He ended up doing some uh, merchandise for him. So, <laughs> incredible. So, Steve Austin, we're going to go with Ring because my buddy Rick Maverick makes the rings for him now and also has done some merchandise for Steve Austin. Didn't know that. All right. Because you have such a fondness for WCW, Eric Bischoff, Oh, Eric Bischoff. Well, he's the one who taught me, Bob, you, they call you the beast. But let me tell you, you got to go ahead and show your smile. You look like a big, dumpy, dopey kind of baby Huey. You've got to smile because then everybody's going to see you too. Go ahead and smile. So he taught me how to smile. So, Eric Bischoff, we're going to go with teacher or showing me how to smile. All right. Uh, one of your current employers. Antonio Anaki. Oh, yeah. Bumaye, <laughs> We'll go with Muhammad Ali because Antonio Anoki is the pro wrestler who fought Muhammad Ali in Japan. Can you believe it? And he is in history in Japan. He is my boss. And, well, you know, we got to we'll say Muhammad Ali, but really I got to just say, hey, yes, I'll show up. Thank you for calling me. <laughs> All right, and the last name on the list, and in my opinion, a man that should have offered you a contract long ago and still should, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Oh, Vincent McMahon. <laughs> yes, he's actually offered the beast a contract. Unfortunately, at the time, K-1 said, you can't sign him, you will never sign him, blah, 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 blah. And, well, occasionally I'll get a call from WWE, and they'll say, hey, beast, can you be on the show? And, unfortunately, um usually gone in Japan and tied up, so I won't be able to make the show. But I follow it tremendously overseas, and of course, who, who doesn't? So, uh, you know, I guess we're just going to have to call that one unfinished business. <laughs> unfinished. That means it's open for, you know, future endeavors, so that's great. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Bob, I want right. to go ahead, and I, I know uh, you said the beast is hungry, and I don't want to I don't want to keep the beast from his meal. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, if you could uh, go ahead and uh, give a shout-out to your sponsors and uh, also let the listeners know where you could be found on the Internet. 
<laughs> okay, well, the beast sponsors, well, let's just say the country of Japan. Sometimes you say to my fans, I'm going to call them my family. <laughs> and of course, I want to thank my telespace for putting the beast on tonight. <laughs> hey, where you want to catch the beast? Well, everywhere all over the internet, of course, you can see because they have over 5,000 beasts and 5,000 fake Bob Saps on Facebook. If you ever want to catch the real beast, IGF Gino, <laughs> Antonio Noki's website. Well, you can always get a hold of the beast there. Huh. We can sometimes give a shout out to K1. <laughs> you know we love you. Come back and pay the fighters. Pay them, pay them, pay them, K1. Ah. Thank you very and much. A, and a big, <laughs> big shout out to the Brett Ashley for making this happen as well. Bob, it's, right. been a, it's been a real pleasure talking to you, and I want to wish you the best of luck in your near future. Thank you. You got it. <laughs> See you later, guys. All right. Appreciate it, Bob. Thank you. Oh, right. Thank you. And there you have the interview with Bob the Beast Sap back from 2011, and that was a really fun interview, yes. Early days of blog talk radio, and we were live for that one. It was great. All right, so it's time to go to the next music set. Coming up, we've got Diamante, going to be followed by Chris Angeles, Junior Boy, Hatebreed, and good old Scuzz Twitly. Be right back after this. How dare you and who in the hell fuck do you think you are? You're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we're proper gentlemen, because we always ask... Do you mind if I fart? You really know how to waste a Cialis, don't you? You're abusing my fan. These boys just talk and talk, but somehow I can't seem to listen. I'm thinking about the one who's dressed in black on my head. I'm switching up the order. I'm on top. That's my position. I eat on my bus, spit on my I got a bad condition.
Dude, somebody shit in the punch bowl. <laughs> Hi, my name is Stacy Rios. I'm here to talk about Stacy's Taco. Stacy Rios Taco. Try it today. Everyone's on the diet. The new Stacy's Taco diet that tastes great and has zero calories. Who here has tried Stacy's Taco? I was never a big taco eater until I tried Stacy's Tacos. Stacy's Taco tastes great and has zero calories. I lost 25 pounds trying Stacy's Taco. Stacy's Taco will keep you coming back for more. Stacy Rio's Taco. Try it today.
talking on the front of some beach, man. I'm just saying. Not this Getting money, broke niggas really funny. To the check, I be running. Yeah, my whole team a hundred. We gon' get it how we want it. I be out here throwing hundreds. All you niggas throwing ones. Bad women in the building. Gonna show me you the one. Gonna show me you the one. Yeah, I be really getting money. Broke niggas really funny. To the top, I be gunning. Yeah, my whole team a hundred. We gon' get it how we want it. I be out here throwing hundreds. All you niggas throwing ones. Bad women in the building. Gonna show me you the one. Yeah, show me you the one. Yeah, I'm just trying to get some cash. Run up thinking that you're bad. You gon' make a nigga mad. You gon' make me do your bad. You gon' make me do your bad. Nonstop stop came and got me. Put some bands in my pocket. 18 wheelers still a topic. Everybody talking about it. Them the niggas, they're a problem. Ain't nobody here to solve it. Money dough be revolving. Ladies bouncing like New Orleans. Buying drinks, what's your poison? Thank you, ass, cause you were starving. Sing to it like I'm Marvin. Diamonds on the ice water. Niggas smoking on that slaughter. I be pimping on your daughter. Real life, that order. Molly make her shake harder. Sweat now, she need some water. Dripping, think I need a towel. I've been here for a while. Give me cash right now. Ain't no way to get around. Stress me out, I smoke a pound. Yo, girl, see me, she gon' smile. She say she gon' hold it down. Where she callin' right now? Where she callin' right now? Yeah, she callin' right now. I be really getting money. Broke niggas really funny. To the check, I be running. Yeah, my whole team a honey. We gon' get it how we want it. I be out here throwing hundreds. All you niggas throwing one. Bad women in the building. Gonna show me you the one. Gonna show me you the one. Yeah. I be really getting money. Broke niggas really funny. To the top, I be gunning. Yeah, my whole team a honey. We gon' get it how we want it. I be out here throwing hundreds. All you niggas throwing one. Bad women in the building. Gonna show me you the one. Gonna show me you the one. Mama right there bad. I just hope that she can dance. Yeah, she got a lot of ass. Make me wanna throw a bag. I'ma make it right back. Smoking on that OG gas, sipping on that purple passion. I'ma make it out here rapping. I'm a future like magic. Diamonds on me really flashing. And women in the mansion. Gone and throw it in a circle. Booty done like Urkel. Game time, I'm a murker. Thought she said she was a virgin. She was lying, trying to serve you. Feeling like I'm James Worthy. In a Lambo swerving. Remember when I had the bourbon? Remember when I had the bourbon? Remember when I had the bourbon? Yeah. I be really getting money. Broke niggas really funny. To the check, I be running. Yeah, my whole team a honey. We gon' get it how we want it. I be out here throwing hundreds. All you niggas throwing one. Bad women in the building. Gonna show me you the one. Gonna show me you the one. Yeah. I be really getting money. Broke niggas really funny. To the top, I be gunning. Yeah, my whole team a honey. We gon' get it how we want it. I be out here throwing hundreds. All you niggas throwing one. Bad women in the building. Gonna show me you the one. Gonna show me you the one.
Incorporated, the United South Africa Coalition, comprises groups and individuals around the world working together to create public global awareness of the genocide in South Africa and to develop community restoration programs that will make South Africa a safe place for all races to thrive. USAC works to inform world leaders of the present-day conditions in South Africa through documents, news reports, images, videos, publications, petitions, and witness statements to unite with South African leaders to bring meaningful assistance to people in South Africa. 
to educate and develop trade schools to improve the quality of life in South Africa, to enact employment laws that are fair and equal for all in South Africa, and to work on trade development projects to improve South Africa's economy. To join USAC and for more information about USAC and what you can do, visit usac.center. This is The Renegade Show. You have three different scenarios here, and I'll give them to you. No, I said scenarios, not Cheerios. Coming to you coast to coast and around the world on your favorite radio station. How did you get Cheerios from scenarios? All right, it's time for the Renegade Pick of the Week countdown. Here we go, counting it down all the way to number one. Who farted? Yeah, we'd like to welcome you to the Renegade family. Does anybody even remember Doogie Howser? I think it's fair to warn you that by listening to this show, you're committing a misdemeanor in four states. Three children are asking their parents where babies come from. Two children run away, and one mother ends up crying by the end of the show. This is the Renegade Show. Go to Facebook.com slash Radio Chris Master to find out days, times, and stations of where you can catch the Renegade Show. Chaz Mitchell Custom Hats makes and sells custom hats with a Western influence. These hats are not cheesy, one-size-fits-all, except they're not cowboy hat knockoffs. Chaz Mitchell will custom design and build a genuine hat just for you, the way you want it. Chaz will actually measure your head, talk with you about the hat you desire, make it, and deliver it to you. You'll make a statement every time you put on your hat. Originally from Jigs, Nevada, Chaz Mitchell grew up cowboy and alongside his father, Waddy Mitchell. They built their first hats together at a workshop in Elko, Nevada. Chaz recalls his father once telling him, make a hat he would be proud to wear. After years of practice and studying hats and their owners, Chaz knows what makes a good hat maker. It's understanding that a hat doesn't only fit the circumference of the head, but also the personality of the owner. Get in touch with Chaz today, and he'll build you a hat you will be proud to wear. Visit Chaz Hats, that's C-H-A-Z-H-A-T-Z dot com. Support Outlaw Radio and Friends and buy some cool stuff in the store section of OutlawRadioABS.com. Show the world how much you love Outlaw Radio with Outlaw Radio t-shirts and hats. In the CTM store, a service of Caravan to Midnight, find items to help make your life easier and better, including water purification by Berkey, delicious long-term storable food by My Patriot Supply, the New Eden Nutritional Support System, the Ionic Toothbrush System, a better way to clean your teeth, the Invisible Mask, a negative ion generator, that hangs from your neck like a pendant that mitigates incoming pollution. The high ion bio key quantum scalar energy pendant, EMF mitigating fabrics and clothing, and some really cool infrared night vision binoculars. In the Cranked Up Coffee Shop, a service of Cranked Up Live. Entertain your taste buds with coffee that even the aficionados love. Some of the best blends from around the world, including Serato and Grindhouse Brew. Visit outlawradioabs.com and click on the store link. A service of Outlaw Radio and AOW Productions. Building in a little hick town. This is Outlaw Radio. I'm not in the mood to deal with you today, you stupid asshole! All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Cold Cock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, gear up, let's train. USAC, the United South Africa Coalition. Go to USAC.center for more information. 
and Neutronics IGF-1, Making Men Men Again. Go to keystolife.shop. That's keys, the number two, life.shop for more information. The songs you just heard, you just heard Scuzz Twitly with She Spread Like the COVID. Before that, Hatebreed with Smash Your Enemies. Before that, Junior Boy with Show Me You're the One. Prior to that, Chris Angeles with Stained Glass. And starting off the whole set, Diamante with Bite Your Kiss. All right. So with that said and the clock is ticking, it is time for the Steve Solution. The best advice I can give you, if you've got a good job, stay in it. If you are, in fact, in a position where you have a decent job, don't fuck that up. And if you are not in a great job, keep looking and when one comes available that you are qualified for, or even close to qualified for, go apply, interview, do whatever you can to get into a better position. This is the Steve Solution with Stephen James on Outlaw Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? It's your old podcast pal, Steve. And we are here once again. We started last week talking about woke people and ran out of time, so I figured we'll just do a little update, or continuation, rather, of discussing the lighter side of making fun of woke people, because, let's face it, Jesus fucking Christ, what in the hell, really, what, have you ever met somebody that says they are woke that is not a pretentious asshole? And typically, generally speaking, a fucking man bun wearing hipster. <laughs> oh, because shit. I haven't. Well, not to mention uh, there's that video on YouTube uh, where uh, that woman's having her son read over the gay BCs, and at the end, uh, she has him say that he's a woke toddler. In my opinion, something like that, seriously, no fucking joke. I know I'm supposed to be funny on this particular episode, but that shit is child abuse. Oh, no, no doubt, no doubt. I, I want, you know what, since you, you brought up that subject of child, child abuse, I, I just want to tell you something really quick, too. Now, um, it was, uh, try to get through this as quickly as I can, uh, but when I was a teenager, I took my... Uh, my five-year-old little cousin, he was, he was between uh, three and five, somewhere in that age range. And uh, he was getting a belly on him, and I had him convinced he was fat. And next thing you know, he goes running to his mom, telling, telling her that he's fat, and I'm getting yelled at. <laughs> but it was that easy to manipulate him and, and to making him think he's fat. Now, Stephen, what would you do? If uh, you sent your child to a daycare and this person at a daycare is uh, looking your kid right in the eye and says, doesn't matter if you were born with a penis, deep down you're, you are a girl. And, well, dad says I'm a boy. No, you are a girl. Repeat after me. You are a girl. You, you know, drill that. Look him in the eye and drill that over and over again. Would that upset you? Well, the first thing I would do, obviously, is pull my kid right the fuck out of that daycare, and then I would sue them. Well, that that's what's uh, hap happened uh, 
right here in Twin Falls, Idaho. So some, somebody was caught doing that, and they got fired. Uh, how, however, you know, now the uh, woke police are trying to go after the daycare center for that, as if there was discrimination involved. You know, it's interesting, you know, bringing up woke people, too, because they, in the transgender crap, LGBT, A, B, C, D, E, F, D, whatever the fuck it is, I don't really know or care. But they sit there and the woke people will tell you, you know, just because you were born with a penis or a vagina doesn't necessarily mean you were a boy or a girl. It's, you know, what's in your head? No, what's in your head is you're mentally ill, but that's beside the point. It's literally creeped into pharmaceutical commercials. Oh. And I, and I, I don't remember the name of the drug, but it's one of those uh, drugs for gay men to, you know, reduce their risk of getting AIDS. So whatever. But literally on the commercial in the, you know, the legal speak that they have to put at the end, they have to be woke in that also, in the fact that they say, this drug is not approved for people that were assigned female at birth. Okay. No, that, that, that's literally, that's science, right? They, you know, the, the woke-ass left wants to sit there and say, well, no, it's science to prove that, you know, you, weren't, you were born in the wrong body. No, science literally just said, you can't take this pill because you have fucking female anatomy and this drug is designed for males. Yes, yes. And uh, because they're woke, they have to say assigned. No, that that that's just that's just a bunch of horse shit right there. And it, you know, and I, and I usually don't, you know, quote liberals in support of my own arguments because that generally just doesn't work. But it just so happens that there is a very hardcore. Uh, liberal that happens to agree with me at least as far as comedy goes and being woke <laughs> and I'm pretty sure everybody knows who the guy this guy is John Cleese very famous actor and comedian member of uh, Monty Python uh, been in a ton of James Bond movies I mean this guy's been in fucking everything and very talented actor and comedian he actually uh, last year challenged comedians to tell him a quote woke joke and called political correctness the fastest way to stifle creativity. That's coming from literally somebody, you know, uh, fucking granted he's British, but still a Hollywood liberal. <laughs> yes. By the way, there. How appropriate. There, there is a website if uh, you think you're uh, you belong among the transgender community. Just uh, simply go to switcheroo.com. <laughs> oh, please tell me that's a joke. <laughs> it is, and, and it's not one of mine. I stole it from Brad and Curtis. But yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, my personal favorite, uh, you know joke recently and i am a fan of this guy he's a wonderful comedian he's fucking hilarious he's also a midget and yes i use the word midget uh feel free to email me at the steve solution at gmail.com if you don't like me using that word i don't give a shit uh i'm not gonna say little person or anything like that 
you're a midget. I don't care if it's your midget. Midgets are awesome. I love midgets. <laughs> that being said, his favorite, one of his jokes, or one of his favorite jokes that he tells in his stand-up is simply that the midget community gets offended at him because he uses the word midget. He says, I don't get that. I'm a midget. I'm allowed to say that. And I guess other midgets have told him that, no, you don't get it. Using the word midget is as offensive to little people as the N-word is to black people. And he says his response when people tell him that is always the same thing. Midget, please. Oh, God. It's just like Fredo. (laughs) You know what Fredo was doing last year? I can't remember exactly when I think. I think uh, some somebody called him, uh, yeah, Fredo, at, while he was dining at some Italian restaurant or whatever in uh, New York. You know who I'm talking about, right? No, uh, Chris the Chris Homo Cuomo. You know, part of that whole whole Homo Cuomo family. Oh, okay, yeah. CNN's uh, fucking whining crybaby. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, he's right. and, and Andrew's brother. Yeah. The guy that likes to walk around in his yard naked. I uh, I don't. Or was that Andrew? I don't know. Uh, one of them. But uh, yeah, Chris Cuomo. He got in an argument with somebody at a at a place uh, in New York. Got in their face and said, uh, "Calling him Fredo is just like calling a black, calling an Italian Fredo is just calling a black person the N word." Mm, no, um, I. I mean, if you wanted to make a more intelligent argument using a similar analogy, if he was truly intelligent, calling an Italian Fredo would be the same as referring to an African-American as Kunta Kinte. <laughs> because they're both characters in a fictional fucking program. Actually, well, no, we can't say that about Kunta Kinte. He was real. I mean, they're... But uh, yeah, oh, well, I don't know. I never actually watched yeah. the fucking thing. Yeah, no, Kunta Kinte was real. But yeah. okay, well, what the I, hell do I know? That yeah. shit was, you know, I was like four when that miniseries came out. I never yeah. watched it. I did. It was very good. But uh, I, I, I'm told it was excellent. I just my with there so much content out there these days, my backlog of shit that I have not watched. I've got stuff that I mean to watch now that I won't get to before I die. So that's just that. That being said though, there's, uh, you know, one of my favorite websites ever. Switcheroo.com. Yes. Switcheroo.com. No, actually uh, urbandictionary.com. Yeah. I absolutely love this website because first off, they are the least politically correct website that the woke people fucking go to which i love it's a website that literally everybody loves you know your conservatives like myself republicans democrats gays straight man woman in between whatever the fuck you think you are if you go to urban dictionary you will be entertained you will be offended and you will laugh your ass off all at the same time, it's wonderful. And the funny thing about it is because the woke people like it, they have not shut that shit down, which I find enormously funny that 
there's this website that literally makes fun of the people that are on it, no matter who you are. There's something on this website that makes fun of you. It doesn't matter. And yet, the woke people haven't tried to use the fucking counterculture shit on this, so it's great. So I went on Urban Dictionary. As a matter of fact, I'm on there right now as we speak. Just to, you know, I popped in woke, as I did last week, and I scrolled through uh, some of the stuff we did through last week and got past that. So uh, I thought I'd start this time. Let me go to, I'm sure I'm passing some very funny stuff, but I know we got through a lot of the stuff on page one and some on page two, and I don't remember exactly <laughs> where we left off. So I'm going to start on page three. First definition on page three, although an incorrect tense of awake a reference to how people should be aware in current affairs. Quote, while you are obsessing with the Kardashian, there are millions of homeless in the world. Stay woke. Thank you, Lolak, whoever the hell Lolak is. It's not one particularly funny, but most of the definitions are. For example, a term coined for people who have reached a placebo-like experience in which a... Well, first off, they don't use proper English. It should be in which an individual or group identify themselves with a heightened level of moral superiority of intelligence. It is also simpler to or similar to a cult or religion in thinking. However, woke thinking leaves users with a feeling of anxiety, depression, frustration, discomfort with political oppression and a feeling of utter loneliness or helplessness because they can't change the world overnight and feel as though they can't do anything. Quote, you honestly have no idea what the fuck you're talking about when speaking about Trump and his, and his administration are literally raping the soul of justice and everything this country represents. Stay woke. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's great. Hey, I got to quote a politician in South Africa, Helen Zeely of the uh, Democratic Alliance over there. Her oh, I know Helen. Yeah. Okay, her catchphrase, stay woke, go broke. I could go stay South African and stay broke, but. Oh, God, it's, yeah, it's a fucking mess over there right now. You know, I still like what uh, Alan Alda's character on the West Wing in the last season said about uh, the literally the whole continent, not just South Africa. But as far as literally fixing one of the main issues of the entire continent, that being poverty, and it was on the debate episode and everybody laughed when he said tax cuts. And simply speaking, we can throw all the money at Africa that they want as far as international loans and all that, but they, then they tax the fuck out of their own people to, the, to prove that they can pay back the loans that it defeats the purpose <laughs> if, if you uh, if you get the chance, if you're a West Wing fan, go to the live debate episode mm -hmm. and just listen to what he says specifically about uh, South Africa. Even if you're a Democrat, you're going to be like, that shit makes sense. Uh, that, uh, but if you're woke, um, you don't you have a brain the size of a fucking peanut, and you're not going to get any of it. 
Uh, one thing I want to bring up, Stephen, uh, because uh, time is ticking. Uh, did you catch uh, the light, the racist lightning bolt in Toledo, Ohio? There's a racist light. Mother Nature is racist. Yes. So a bolt of lightning struck a building with a painting of George Floyd on the side of it, and that lightning bolt struck George Floyd's face. Well, I mean, I'm certain the lightning bolt was a member of the police department uh, and was probably on fentanyl. So, <laughs> now, so for for real though, a real that building did get struck by lightning, destroyed that painting of of George Floyd. <laughs> so, and people are saying lightning is racist, right? Um, so, you know, with the entire way the counterculture movement works. Uh, can somebody out there, and uh, if you want to go ahead and shoot me an email, you can do it at the Steve Solution at gmail.com, or you can call in uh, to either the Outlaw Radio Hotline, or you can call me direct uh, and leave a voicemail at 732-962-4824. Just in case you're wondering, that's 732-YO-BITCH, because I'm woke like that. Uh, and it, please explain to me, uh, now with counter-cancel culture, um, how do we go about canceling Mother Nature? Because I'm on board for that. Uh, it's hot and humid where I live here outside of Memphis, uh, and there's a shit ton of mosquitoes, so I'm a little pissed off at Mother Nature. It's the middle of the night, and I'm sweating my ass off even with the AC going, so um, I'm going to sign up for that can cancel culture because I'm woke. Oh, God. I'll tell you, in the, the heat waves we got going on here, and we're talking some record temperatures going on. Holy shit. Oh, man. I have to stay inside at all times almost as if it's almost uh, worse or just as bad as uh, Vegas now. It's getting that fucking hot in, in, out here in the West Coast. You know, I'll take your word on that. At least you guys don't have the humidity that we have here. It's only like 90 right now. But the humidity is so bad that, I mean, I got up for work this afternoon uh, and jumped in the shower. I have not completely dried off since, and that was 12 hours ago. So, so hey, do you forget that I, too, lived in Tennessee and... South Carolina, for that matter. <laughs> oh, that's right. You were a Memphis boy for a little bit. Yep, that's right. Yeah, I remember my first uh, trip when I moved out here, when I went into Memphis proper, uh, you made me drive by your old house. I didn't make you do it. You chose to, but... <laughs> well, you asked me to. I did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, I, and I appreciate you letting my uncle go after I did. That was very nice of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, another great woke definition. And I know, what, what have we got, about five minutes left? Uh, we got less than that. We got one minute. One minute. Oh, okay. Well, perfect. The last one then. Another word for enlightened that is only used by unenlightened people, usually to claim superiority over anyone that thinks differently. Quote, you need to get woke like me, brah. All your opinions are old-fashioned and bad. Thank you, uh, Johnny, by the way, Johnny with an I-E, fuck you, Johnny, from November of 2020. Learn how to spell your goddamn name. Yeah, and then we, you might get uh, some hint of respect. <laughs> Possibly, but not yeah, for me. Yeah. 
Anyway, it is time to wrap up the show. I've been talking to Sean O'Donnell. There's some some more people she wants me to interview, so uh, stay tuned for what's coming up next week. All right, so that is it. Going to end the show with Reclaim the Sky with uh, Kingdom Come. Thank you very much for tuning in to Outlaw Radio, and I will be back next week. Are you tired of modern pop music that sounds like a dog fucking a squeaky toy? Well, that's why you're listening to Outlaw Radio. We tell bad bed music to piss up a rope. We give you our opinions, and if a fight breaks out, so fucking what? This is Outlaw Radio.
Hey everyone, Bad Billy here. Do you own a business? Or perhaps you're in a band. Or maybe you run a radio show or podcast. Whatever you do, you want to market your brand with custom-made apparel. Look no further than fresh-baked tees. T-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, caps, beanies, koozies, banners, and even masks. You can get them all custom-made from Fresh Baked Tees. Prices are reasonable and negotiable. Simply go to FreshBakedTees.com, submit your logo, and place your order today. If you've been searching for a show that talks about what's trending in the world, entertainment gossip, stupid news, and more, sizzling talk radio that is not dumbed or watered down, a show that is not for pussies, then you need to stop searching and check out The Charles Richardson Show. It's uncensored talk radio. No crybabies. No losers. No futtards. Charles Richardson and crew bring it 100% with real opinions. If you can't take it, Get the fuck out. You can even call the show and flap your gums, provided you have a brain. For the 411 stations and showtimes, like the Charles Richardson Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Charles Richardson Show. Some material may not be suitable for children under 18. The Charles Richardson Show. You want some? Come get some. If 10 states made it a felony to read the New York Times, the media would run the story 24-7 until Congress fixed the assault on the First Amendment. But when 10 states criminalize the Second Amendment, the media says nothing. They don't report that honest, well-meaning people, nurses, stay-at-home moms, veterans, even a disaster relief worker, have been charged with felonies for simply having a lawfully owned firearm. Each was legally licensed to carry a firearm in their home state, but arrested and charged as criminals when safely carrying it through another, less free state. When states can deny one constitutional freedom, they can criminalize the entire Bill of Rights. On behalf of America's 100 million gun owners, we will fight until the full measure of our Second Amendment freedom is restored to every citizen in every corner of the land. We are the National Rifle Association of America, and we're freedom's safest place. Hi, it's the big voice guy. The one who intros and promos the show you're listening to right now. Hi, my name is Jim Hunt. I voice for a growing list of internet and terrestrial radio stations, podcasts, and businesses. I'd love to spread the word about yours, too, no matter if the message is serious or silly. Whether you want the delivery to be hard-hitting, voice of authority, or conversational, warm, and fuzzy. From fully produced station imaging and commercials to custom phone system messages on hold and IVR prompts, voiceovers for computer games to narrations for presentations, even post-production audio editing and audio cleanup services. Yeah, I do them too. I'm your guy. I do business as Jim Hunt voiceovers and audio services. My rates are reasonable and negotiable because I love internet radio too. Visit my website, jimhuntvo.com. I'm Jim Hunt, at your service. Put my voice and audio production skills to work for you. Let's do this. You have been listening to Outlaw Radio. Be sure to leave your feedback by 
calling 208-957-7016. All feedback is played and replied to on the show. Visit our official website at OutlawRadioABS.com. Outlaw Radio is a presentation of AOW Productions. Well, here I am sitting on a porch writing another song. Wailing, wailing, David Allen Cole. You can't go wrong. You're such great outlaw boys, just like me. Man, can't you see? Because you can't go wrong with one good outlaw song. The outlaw song. George Jones Can't go wrong 